Welcome to Behind the Line, where we pull back the curtain on the challenges facing first responders and frontline workers. The work you do is unique, and so are the stresses that go with it. Join me as we tackle key issues to reduce risks for burnout, and as we work to support you in doing the job you love without sacrificing being the kind of person you want to be. Hey there, and welcome back to Behind the Line. I'm your host, Lindsay Foss. For those new to the show, I'm a clinical counselor specializing in trauma therapy. After years of working alongside first responders and frontline workers as a trauma therapist, as well as being a friend to more nurses than I can count, seriously, they're everywhere, I became passionate about supporting wellness as an advocate and educator for first responders and frontline workers. My mission to support those on the front lines really emerged from seeing over and over again the amazing hearts that enter the work, people who want to make a difference, help their communities, affect change, only to be chewed up and spit back out by systems that fail to support the helpers and heroes. I got tired of sitting back and watching it happen over and over again. Clients coming to me after they had been through the ringer for years, sometimes decades. I wanted to see better tools for prevention and early intervention, and this was the best platform I could think of to meet you and connect with you. Behind the Line is a place for us to talk about the real-life, behind-the-scenes challenges facing you on the front lines. I created this podcast with the hope of bringing easy access to Skills for Wellness, allowing you to find greater sustainability both on the job and off. Now, let me start off today's episode by saying that if you haven't listened to last week's episode yet, you might want to start there because today's episode piggybacks off of last time where we talked about mindfulness from a scientific lens. I made the case for why mindfulness is a valuable thing to incorporate into your routine as it supports strengthening the parts of your brain that act as a counterbalance to your overworked stress center. For those of you who are potentially newer to the work and not yet into the bordering on or deep into burnout space yet, this is the best possible time to flex your mindful muscles, as these tools can be significant allies in preventing or reducing risks for burnout later on. For those of you already a little ways down the rabbit hole, don't worry, all is not lost. These skills are where most therapists and support professionals would encourage you to start, because with time and consistency, they can help you to gradually dig back out. It might take more patience and some effort, as you will be working against an established system of brain connections, but it is vitally important that you start working these muscles in an effort to help them catch up to your heavy lifting stress center. Last week's episode focused on why we should care about mindfulness and work to dispel some of the myths or misperceptions that I often come across in my work when I bring up mindfulness. I'm hoping that by now you're convinced and on board to start incorporating some mindfulness skills into a regular daily and weekly routine. My goal for you is that you would find a collection of tools that would feel like they fit for you, both in terms of feeling comfortable, as well as in terms of practically fitting into your schedule. As I've mentioned, these skills are most meaningful when used consistently, 
So making sure they fit into your life is going to be imperative to actually making use of the benefits mindfulness offers. Before we jump into some of my favorite mindfulness skills and a breakdown of how to actually do them, I want to also give a quick reminder that mindfulness refers to a group of skills or practices that support our brain and body in being connected to the present moment in space and time. So as we talk about specific skills and strategies, keep this underlying goal in mind. We're trying to be present in this moment in time and space. All right, are we ready to build our mindfulness arsenal? My clients usually hate when I suggest starting with breathing, but it's honestly the foundation. So we're going to start there whether you like it or not. I think the resistance to breathing is believing this is something we naturally do and that focusing on it is a waste of time. Or maybe that it seems too quintessentially therapist-y or something. Meanwhile, most of us are breathing wrong, even though we've been doing it for oh so very long. What I mean by wrong is that we tend to develop breathing that is shallow and paced more quickly, which actually gives feedback to your brain that you should be on edge and ready to fight, flee, freeze, or fawn. These are words we'll touch on more another time, but they're all connected to your stress response and survival system. Think about your brain and body as a loop. When your brain perceives stress, it changes your breathing to help you fight or run or whatever the right response may be. But likewise, when your breathing seems shallow, your brain perceives that as information and thinks, oh man, something must be going down. And it revs up in preparation for some unknown assailant or offense. This feedback loop contributes to why it's so hard to settle. We're always in go mode until we're so tired that we numb. Focusing on our breath is an easy starting place to try to break up that feedback loop. When we calm our breathing, we allow our brain to get different information. Information that says, cool, things are chill and sufficiently safe. Maybe I can take a beat here. Today, I'm going to teach you my two favorite breath-focused mindfulness tools. Both are going to require that you get familiar with your diaphragm. Now, your diaphragm is a muscle group that sits below your lungs and supports your breathing. When we're tense or stressed, our diaphragm permits quicker, shallower breaths, which is often referred to as chest breathing which just means that you'll largely notice your chest rise and lower when you're breathing. Meanwhile, we want to aim for relaxed, slow, and long breaths called diaphragmatic breathing, where you'll actually be able to notice your stomach expand and contract, indicating a fuller, deeper breath. An exercise you can do to help you get the hang of this is to lay on your back with one hand on your chest and one on your stomach. Try changing how you breathe and notice which hand rises and falls. We're aiming for breaths that move the hand on your stomach more. I often prompt my clients to engage their diaphragmatic breathing by reminding them long and slow, long and slow. 
Okay, so for the first exercise, I'm going to teach you something that's called square breathing. Imagine a square as you do this. Each line of the square counts for four seconds or beats. You're going to inhale for a count of four, hold for a count of four, exhale for a count of four, and hold again for a count of four. All right, I'm not going to model it because that seems silly to do on a podcast where you can't really hear or see me, Um, but I'm going to count it out for you. So right now, let's try it, okay? So we're going to inhale for one, two, three, four. Hold one, two, three, four. Exhale one, two, three, four. And hold one, two, three, four. Okay, you did it. You can do this a few cycles through, then resume comfortable, normal paced breathing for a moment. And then if you feel up to it, try to do a few cycles again. The intention is not that you breathe like this all the time. For those of you panicking about this when you got to the hold and you were like, oh man, I really need to take a breath here. This is not the point to do this all of the time. The intention is to be focused on a present moment activity, your breathing, that is connected to giving your body more oxygen and relaxing muscle tension in an effort to offer feedback to your brain and strengthen the parts of your brain that help to support and counterbalance your stress center. This exercise is simple, and it can be done within a minute or two. You can literally do it anywhere, so no excuses. I've literally coached people to do these in court or in other like really high-stress situations because it's not something that's super obvious and you can do without people really noticing. My next favorite breath exercise I learned from a professor. I call it breath mantra. A mantra is a word or phrase you repeat to yourself, like a focal point. They're often used in meditation, and I find them helpful in other moments in my daily life. I actually use these a lot. A breath mantra goes along with your diaphragmatic breathing and might be something like breathe in relaxation and breathe out tension, or inhale calm, and exhale stress. I personally like breathe in relaxation and breathe out tension. I find my mind will imagine that my in-breath is moving through all my tense muscle areas and smoothing them out and that my out-breath expels all of that toxic tension out of my system. Again, this is something that you're doing in your mind, making it fairly accessible in most spaces and times, and it only takes a minute or two. All right, that gives you a couple of breath-focused exercises to try out. Let's move on now to meditation. As I mentioned in last week's episode, some people seem to have discomfort around the idea of meditation. And if that's you, I would encourage you to listen back to last week's episode where I talk that through a bit. 
There are tons of places you can find really great guided meditation and meditation training programs. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time giving lengthy instructions or scripts. I am going to give you just a couple of short meditation ideas to prompt you to start, and I'm going to encourage you to take it and run with it from there. For those wanting to expand and grow in this area, there are also some really great apps that I'll link to in the show notes that I have heard really great reviews about from clients and friends who have used them. Um, I have not tried any of them personally because I feel like I personally have a fairly strong repertoire of scripts for myself, Um, but I've had several clients that have told me about the Calm app and the Balance app, and again, I'll link to those in the show notes. For now, I am going to give you two short meditations that you can start with and that I find I come back to in my own mindfulness practice time and time again. I really like things that are simple, straightforward, quick, and get the job done. So these ones are right up my alley. The first one is a mantra meditation. As I mentioned a minute ago, I use mantras in all kinds of areas of my life. There was a period of time when I was rehabbing a back injury a number of years ago, and I had to go to the gym daily. But to get to the gym from work... I had to drive directly past my house. It was this choice point moment every single day. Go home and take a nap or go to the gym. Go home and take a nap or go to the gym. I'd like to say I always made the right choice, but that would not be truthful. I did get more successful with getting to the gym when I came up with this mantra. Are you ready? When I want to do it the least is when I need to do it the most. Here it is again. When I want to do it the least is when I need to do it the most. This phrase would get me through the choice point because it reminded me that when the internal fight to go home was the strongest... It was a reflection of my avoidance and an affirmation of knowing what I really needed for myself, even though I didn't feel like it. The great thing about mantras is you choose them and you can change them. I like to sit in a quiet space or sometimes lay down and I choose a word or phrase to focus on. It might be something like still or calm Or something more like, I choose to accept things as they are. I find it's easiest to meditate when I use a timer. It lets me sink into focusing on my mantra instead of checking my watch. So this is what a mantra-based meditation might look like. is setting a timer for 5 minutes, 10 minutes, if you really want to push your skills, 20 minutes. And just choosing a word or phrase to sit and focus on. You can find a focal point on the wall or close your eyes. You can sit, you can lie down. It doesn't really matter. The goal is just to be present and working at focusing on one piece right now. As thoughts come in and start to intrude, you can just notice them and circle back to your mantra. 
A different version of meditation is meditating on an image. Find somewhere comfortable to sit or lay down. Close your eyes if you feel comfortable doing so, or allow your eyes to find a spot that feels neutral to look at. Let your mind create a picture. Imagine the details and work to immerse yourself in the place you're creating. This task draws on the parts of your brain that we want to work at strengthening and pulls us out of past and future by being fully engaged in an act of creating right now in the present moment. I like to imagine myself near a stream, hearing the sound of the trickling, bubbling water, seeing the water move over and around rocks, imagining the warmth of sunlight on my skin, the tickle of grass on my bare feet, the soft breeze in my hair. Isn't that a place you want to run away to right now? I know I do. When people first start meditating, they often struggle to block out other thoughts that intrude into the practice and pull you to the past or future. Thoughts like, I have to remember to pick up milk, or I can't believe that so-and-so is in the hospital. My encouragement to you is that this is normal, and your job is not to block these out. This is not a defining factor of your success or failure at meditating. Having these thoughts is not a measure of your success or failure at meditating. In my stream example, when a thought creeps in that moves me out of connection to that scene, I try to notice that it's happening, and then I imagine the thought as a leaf falling onto the stream and being carried gently away from me. I don't have to cling to the thought or repel it. Just let it come and let it go. And I may need to do this repeatedly, which absolutely can feel frustrating sometimes. But honestly, it's also a really great workout for the part of your brain that is working to build connections between your stress center, the thoughts that are pouring in, and your executive functioning center, the part of you that's able to calm and regulate. So in the grand scheme of things, just consider this some extra reps in your brain workout. Now, I'm going to pause here for a moment to talk about something really important to consider in the midst of this type of activity, but to some extent, all of the activities we're talking about today. For those of you who have significant trauma histories, including childhood developmental trauma in particular, your nervous system and stress center will likely struggle differently with these kinds of activities than the average this feels uncomfortable kind of feeling. For those who have felt deeply unsafe often and consistently throughout their lives, finding stillness or creating safe imaginal spaces for calm will likely feel like the opposite. In these cases, your practice will need to build in additional safety features to help contain and protect you as you work to strengthen the executive functioning part of your brain. Working with the guided imagery example of the stream I was just sharing, you might need to include a protective sphere that keeps anything perceived as unsafe out. Or you may need to focus on some senses but not others if they feel triggering to you. If you have a history of trauma, I would encourage you to try these activities a bit like dipping your toe in the water to test the temperature. 
Don't dive right in. Allow yourself to experiment and notice what feels okay and what doesn't and refine from there. You'll notice things that are not okay by either experiencing some emotional intensity or a need to numb or dissociate. We want to stretch ourselves and work our skills to strengthen the executive functioning parts of our brains, but we need to do this conscientiously. If we engage this in ways that activate our trauma or self-protective responses, we're actually doing the opposite of what we're aiming for and further encouraging our stress center to show up, which is counterproductive. So just move into this with some awareness of how your history might influence things and be considerate of working with your brain rather than fighting with it. You can also Google trauma-informed meditations and search for some more detailed scripts or prompts designed to support more complex trauma. Okay, on to mindful movement activities. As I mentioned in last week's episode, activities like yoga and tai chi can be great to incorporate into your routine, as the foundations of these practices are grounded in mindfulness, and good programs that walk you through these movement practices will prompt and encourage you to connect with your body in the moment, noticing how poses and movements feel, where to notice tension or release, and when and how to use your breath. I mentioned last time that I have a history of being resistant to yoga, but I found an app in the last year that I use regularly and has made me fall in love with yoga. I'll post a link to it in the show notes, so check that out if you're looking for something to coach you through it. I love this specific program because it's really customizable in terms of fitness level, durations ranging from 5 minutes to 90 minutes, and a lot of other customizations you can play around with. And every time you use it, the practice is a little bit different, which helps people like me from getting bored. I also love that it's super reasonably priced. Meanwhile, aside from yoga, tai chi, and related types of structured movement practices, You can incorporate mindfulness with movement in so many ways, and I encourage you to make this really personal and experiment to find what fits best for you. Some of my favorite ways to incorporate mindfulness with movement includes mantra walks or stretches. Choosing a word or phrase to focus on and repeating it every few steps or with every stretch. I also like to try pairing my breathing with my steps in for three hold for one, out for three, hold for one. It can also be things like bringing your awareness to what you're seeing, hearing, smelling, feeling around you while you walk, hike, bike, run, row, dance. When your thoughts start to drift to other places, just notice it. Smile at those sneaky thoughts for creeping back in and gently reorient your awareness to the trees swaying in the breeze or the feeling of your muscles flexing as you climb the hill, or the ease or strain of your breath as you move, or the sound of the wind or the birds or the music on your phone, the smell of flowers or the freshness of the air. The point is to encourage your brain to notice and make note of what's happening right here, right now, and to coax it back to this whenever it starts to go astray. The last group of activities I want to talk about are around attunement and awareness. 
in any moment, not just the dedicated meditative ones or the conscientiously movement-focused ones, but in the any old moment kinds of times, we can do some brain workouts to help strengthen our executive functioning that helps counterbalance our stress center. Brushing your teeth, cooking dinner, driving your car, washing your hands, sitting on the couch, they are all moments that invite mindfulness if you choose to make use of them. And as I've said, every time you choose it, you strengthen something just a little bit more. And it counts more than you might think. These activities involve noticing where your mind is thinking and guiding it to notice present moments instead. My preferred way of doing this is to use my five senses. What I see, hear, smell, touch, taste in the moment that I'm in. And it can help me to anchor to the present moment and strengthens the part of my brain that we've been talking about so much. Again, this can be done in just a couple of minutes and quietly in my own mind, making it totally accessible at pretty well any time. The key to these moments is noticing that your mind is going to past or present in order to choose to do something different than to allow it to continue strolling down whatever rabbit hole it seems to be pursuing. To some extent, the awareness that we're not present is the hardest part of getting into a mindfulness practice. We don't know how not present we are most of the time, and it will take some practice to get in the habit of noticing and, without judgment, working at moving your brain to a more present stance. Consistency is key in most learning. The more we do it, the quicker our brain learns and wires new connections that help it continue down this new path. Be patient and keep trying. If mindfulness is a brand new concept to you, it might take some prompting to help you build it into your routine. Make use of timers and reminders on your phone. Smartwatches can be helpful for this too. Many of them have settings that allow you to get alerted when your breathing becomes too fast or irregular, or your heart rate is over a certain level, which is an indicator of tension and stress. Setting these to cue you toward whatever practices you decide to implement can be really helpful until they become second nature. My hope is that you'll give it a chance, like an actual solid effort, trying this a couple of times and deciding to blow it off as not making a difference is a mistake. Much like most things in life, you have to put something in if you want to get something out. This is not a quick fix or a magic pill. It's part of a bigger picture and a facet of a comprehensive strategic action plan for wellness. My hope is also that you'll implement these pieces with sustainability in mind. Human nature tends to want to jump into things and then gets quickly overwhelmed and drops it all like a hot potato. That's pretty much the story for New Year's resolutions, isn't it? Don't try to do all the things right off the hop. It's not sustainable. Choose one or two things from today's episode to implement a couple of times during your week. Get good at that. Make it a stable part of your routine and then build on that success. We do way better over time when we focus on small steps in a direction rather than leaps and bounds. 
I'm going to wrap up today by saying I would love to hear from you. I would love for you to share how these activities go for you, successes, stumblings, learnings, what you loved, what you hated, all of it. You can always connect with me by email or on social media. The links to contact me are always in the show notes. I also hope that you'll tell others about this resource and that you'll join me on my mission to bring accessible wellness resources to frontline workers everywhere. Thank you for spending your time with me. And until next time, stay safe.